And now for the playing of our national anthem, performed by Pearl Jam guitarist Mike McCready. you say you do here it's stone's weekly dose because i'm kind of an idiot i'm a dumb guy brian you don't have to keep trying so hard to impress me i already really like you your midweek download destination i told you about brian i told you come on man brian was just making a joke i'm so lucky to have met you brian you're such an amazing guy it's stone's weekly dose And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody. How in the world are you? It is July. July 3rd, as a matter of fact. The eve of the birthday of this country. We are 243 years old. And we don't look that bad for that age. In some ways, we look like absolute shit. Thank you for finding the supposed for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast. The Weekly Dose for July 3rd, 2019. My name is Brian. I do this most every week. I would say probably on average 45 times a year. Maybe closer to 50 the idea is to do it every week and then some pop-ups from time to time. Uh, the business model changes. The, uh, the target changes as uh, time goes on. And um, I appreciate you all finding the show. So uh, real quick, I do want to uh, just talk about last week's show for a minute. Uh, maybe I guess you could look at it as being kind of self-indulgent. I, I don't know. Um, I... Um, it's just such a, a, a radically important time in my life the last three years, and there's so much to have fun with it, and I might go overboard every now and again, 
But um, Robert T. Nash on the show was was fantastic, and I really enjoyed that. And I know a lot of people don't like him at all. Uh, a lot of people don't like me. Uh, a lot of people love him. A lot of people at least semi-like me. Uh, but the, the conversation I thought was great. And the reason I, I wanted to be f- sure to do it is because I, I knew it would be pretty good because I've interacted with him on the air before. We've had lots of good dialogue and uh, conversation, whether it be recorded or live on the air or sitting around at the bar having a beer. And I knew that if I just called him up, which he has not always wanted to do. We've talked about this for years, um, doing something like this. He's not always wanted to do it. And this time he was very willing. And I just, I mean, it's not often you can get somebody, especially if they're a controversial figure, and just say, hey, I want to record a conversation with you, and then I'm going to post it for everybody to listen to. But I'm not going to tell you one thing that I'm going to mention in the entire nearly 60-minute conversation. Most people aren't going to let that fly. Most people who aren't controversial at all aren't going to let that fly. I remember uh, lining up interviews for myself when I would fill in for Jeff and others at GOW, and then when I'd line up interviews for Jeff or others, and often it would be, hey, can we get a list of questions? Uh, Bro, that's not what we do here. I don't know what you're used to in other interview settings. We don't have a list of questions. Um, That's not... That, that's, that, that is, a I guess, a formal interview. What I want to do is have a conversation. And when you get people who aren't, interest or aren't uh, used to this business, you put a microphone in front of their face, and it changes everything. Microphones ruin everything. But when you get a couple of people who are used to them, it, uh, it goes well. And that's what I want to have is really good conversations. And I have been asked at times over the years, why don't you do more interviews? And it's because, well, there's, there's not a lot of people in this city that I can put faith into to being able to have an actual compelling conversation, a captivating conversation. There's just not that many people that I have to trust that can do that. And I am not great at interviews. I'm really not. I would put myself at maybe good, you know, like good to a little bit below, like a C plus. And because I get nervous when I start to have that conversation, if I get somebody who can't roll with the punches and I need to scramble to try to fill time, to me that just starts to sound like rambling nonsense and um, and I get self-conscious about it and then to, to me it feels like it's going nowhere. If there were more people that I knew that could, could help carry a great conversation, I would do that more often. Hit me up at Stone On Air. On all social media, stoneonair at gmail.com. If there's anybody that you have a suggestion that I should have uh, show topics and conversations with, because I would, uh, I'd love to do that more. Because when it goes well, it's easy. That was easy. I was gonna do, I was gonna do 15 minutes is what I first said with Robert T. Nash. Then I saw my clock was getting to 30, and next thing I know, it was over 50 minutes. And you know, when when things are going well time flies and um so there you go so thank you for uh, tuning into that if you haven't listened to it yet i uh highly suggest you do but you know hey you might not like him and you might not know who he is you might not care and that's uh that that that's cool too so coming up on the show today a couple of segments i was gonna do last week until i got the confirmation with uh rtn uh in the second segment of the show i am um i'm going to do a kind of just generically across the board about politicians in general, but more focused on Trump and what I have become to what I've learned from this three years of this administration, almost three full years and what I like about it and what it's done to help the way I approach things 
in the political world that I never in a million years would have thought would have been true. And in the final segment of the show, if you're not into Braves baseball, you can just cash out early if uh, if it's not your thing. Uh, they're, they're having a great season, and I had this one in the can just ready in case uh, I needed it for Phil. And so that's what both those segments were. So that's going to be the second segment and the third segment. Today, I am going to start off the show talking about, I guess you could kind of call it the symbolism of America. I kind of put this together on a Tuesday afternoon while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was looking for different variations of the Star Spangled Banner. And then I got to thinking how little that a lot of people really even know about the Pledge of Allegiance, about the flag, about the the Star Spangled Banner as far as how they originated, what they actually mean. Like when you're a kid and you're being basically told you have to do some of these things, you don't even really understand what you're doing. And as I've gotten older, I've realized I don't like the idea of uh, of telling kids they have to do something that they don't understand why they're doing it. That's half the battle in everything in life. If you can figure out why you're doing what you do, you're always going to be more effective. You're always going to get a, a, a better result when you understand why you're doing what you're doing rather than just following instructions like, uh, you know, A, you do this, and B, you do do this, and C, you do that. It took me a long time to understand that, so I'm going to do a little bit of that here. First, real quick, though, I did want to mention, so the uh, the debate the other uh, last week was an absolute bleep show. Um, I didn't see this this way. I didn't take it this way, but the mass majority of social media, anyway, seems to think that Joe Biden just looked foolish. I, I didn't see that as much. I, I saw a bunch of wannabes and people who have no business being on a podium to try to represent our country as the uh, CEO, the executive, uh, highest executive of the land. Um, I thought Joe was fine. I thought he played it pretty safe. And uh, I just didn't feel that it was as bad uh, as it seems like everybody else does. This is from The Hill. Joe Biden's first debate of the 2020 primary was ob- objectively a failure. Biden was far from a crisp order, looked unprepared for the attacks he faced and seemed out of touch with today's liberal base. But even if he had made coherent points and artfully deflected criticism of his record, would it have made a difference? And it goes on to talk about how the DNC kind of uh, set him up to fail. Now, I do I do agree with the fact that um, the the Democratic Party is in a is in a disaster right now. And Trump is going to win the presidency, most likely, because the uh, Democrats have an absolute identity crisis right now. Um, socialism is going to be a word that Donald Trump uses to beat into the heads of his idiot fan base and then to beat into the heads of the ones that are just happy that they're not having more money coming out of their paychecks. And everybody's just going to say, well, what the hell? We've already done this this embarrassment for the last four, you know, three years, going on four years. We might as well just go ahead and do it again rather than put in somebody who, uh, who who's going to bring radical uh, a change, supposedly, which is not really going to happen because, first of all, it's Joe Biden. People don't agree with me on this. Joe Biden is the only one out of this j- joker field of 20 people that has any chance at defeating Donald Trump because he is a uh, he's always been, well, maybe not always, but overall he gets a lot of respect from both parties. He's a lifer. He's good at what he does. Problem is, he's 78 damn years old. He's pretty old. And, yeah, there was a minute or two where he would kind of hear, hey, can you repeat that? I miss yeah, he, yeah, he's elderly for crying out loud. He looks great for his age because of all the plastic surgery and everything. But, I mean, he's the only opportunity in this, in this field. And right now it is, it is a anybody but Trump world for me. I don't care who it is. Anybody other than him. So I'll get into a little bit more of that 
in the second segment of the show. So the Star Spangled Banner. Um, of, of the things that we're taught to respect and to constantly um, to, to have high respect for and to make sure you, you, uh, you, you're appropriate when these things are taking place, the Star Spangled Banner is the only one that I take very seriously. Um, it, is, it is a song that has very historical uh, relevance. It is a, a very important poem and uh, a song and, and, and historical moment of our, of our country, which at the end of the day, I do love and I, do, I am happy that, uh, that this is where I call home. And so I have always given the Star Spangled Banner the respect it deserves. The hat off, never have my hat on, put it over my uh, over my heart when it's being played. I uh, usually in a in a public setting. If I hear it at the house, I'm not going to stop what I'm doing. But you get my point. Uh, I also think it is a very uh, it's a very opportunistic time to try to cause attention to something that you feel strongly about. Hence, putting a knee down. Um, I think that that is a. I think it's a very uh, I don't think it's disrespectful to do that at all. I think if you're going to do something that you truly believe in, that would be a time to do it. I also don't give two shits if you decide you don't want to do any of those things. You want to just sit down and stuff your face with a hot dog and a beer at the at the ball game while it's being played. I don't care. Like, I don't even bat an eye at, at it because I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't care what that guy over there is doing. Um, that's the biggest problem we have in this country. Everybody's so damn concerned about what everybody else is doing. But for me, respecting the Star Spangled Banner is important. Now, God Bless America, while it has a little bit of historical relevance as a, as a, as a poem into a song, uh, yeah, don't care anything about that song. Uh, a song that is encouraging a, uh, a maybe figure, a deity, to bless the most blessed nation and country on the, in the universe. Just leave it to America to beg for more blessings when we already have as many blessings as there are to give. Yeah, I don't really care about God Bless America. You want to play play it and sing along, which nobody knows the words, and put your hand over your uh, heart or take your hat off, you go right ahead. I'm not going to do it. And then the other one, and I'll go into a little bit more on all three of these because I just I was curious. Some of these things I've forgotten over the years. The other one was uh, is the Pledge of Allegiance. And I did, hadn't thought about the Pledge of Allegiance for years years 20 years maybe even and i went to my um i went to my uh, girlfriend's eighth her son's eighth grade you know graduation promotion whatever it's called is going in high school and um at the beginning they did whatever they were doing as far as you know how you introduce everything and then it was all right all stand for the pledge of allegiance and it just kind of took me back to thinking and just to, uh, when I was getting older to younger but older and thinking, what? hold on, why are we forcing people to pledge an allegiance? First of all, to start with by the wording to a piece of nylon made in China, likely in a sweatshop, and then the nation for which it stands under a God that we're not sure that everybody even believes in. Like, why, why are we telling children to stand up and do this you know, or else. Like, this is what you have to do. We're going to make you pledge your allegiance. Well, that's not even kind of uh, democracy. Uh, that's not even kind of what this country is supposedly um, the, the foundation of the way we're supposed to uh, we're supposed to live our lives. So I got just to thinking all those, started looking up some stuff, and we'll go from there. The Star Spangled Banner, a poem written on eight, uh, September 14th, 1814 by then 35-year-old lawyer and amateur poet Francis Scott Key. 
I bet if you asked um, uh, 100 people, 75, 80 of them would think that it was during uh, the Revolutionary War. I think that that's what that's probably what I would have guessed. It was of the uh, War of 1812. Key was inspired by the large U.S. flag with 15 stars and 15 stripes, known as the Star-Spangled Banner, flying triumphantly above the uh, fort at the Battle of Baltimore during the U.S. victory. Uh, the poem has four stanzas. I actually did know this once upon, upon a time, but I forgot. But only the first words, the first stanza that we all know is what we regard as the national Anthem. The Star-Spangled Banner was recognized for uh, for official use by the United States Navy in 1889 and by President Woodrow Wilson in 1916 and was made the national anthem by Congressional Resolution in 1931. So what happened was is Francis Scott Key and a guy named, where is it, John Stuart Skinner were set, sent to Baltimore to uh, try to negotiate some exchange with prisoners with uh, the British. They got to talking to uh, some majors, and it was a cordial interaction. But somehow these two Americans got hip to what the British strategies were. And so while the battle was about to take place, they took them prisoner while this battle was ensuing. Well, while they were in the prison, they could see that the, the, the British flag came down and the United States flag came up. And over the next couple of days, Francis Scott Key wrote the uh, poem that we would eventually know as the National Anthem. I encourage you to seek out and read the entire uh, poem itself. I was going to read it, but it's pretty long, and I don't want to bore everybody to death here as I'm already 17 minutes in. But the second stanza is, On the shore dimly seen through the mist of the deep, where the foes hotly host in dread silence reposes, what is that which the breeze o'er the towering steep as it fitfully blows, half conceals, half discloses. Now it catches the gleam of the morning's first beam, in full glory reflected now shines in the stream. Tis a star-spangled banner, oh long may it wave, over the land of the free and the home of the brave. Doesn't quite roll off the tip of the tongue like the first one does. But there's two more uh, stanzas that, uh, again, I, I encourage you to uh, just take a look at because I guess I knew that, but I had forgotten. So what is my point with all this is is how are you supposed to react to this? Everybody says what they would have done and they would do in situations, but what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to uh, acknowledge the Star-Spangled Banner, the Pledge of Allegiance, or Old Glory, the flag itself? Customs and federal law in regards to the Star-Spangled Banner. When the U.S. National Anthem was first recognized by law in 1931, there was no prescription as to behavior during its playing. In June 1942, the law was revised, indicating that those in uniform should salute during his plane, while others should simply stand at attention, and with men removing their hats. The same code also required that women should place their hands over their heart when the flag is displayed during the playing of the national anthem. At the bicentennial in 1976, the law was simplified. Men and women were instructed to stand with their hands over their hearts, men removing their hats, and just simply that. Then it goes changes over and over, back and forth. But at the end of the day, none of these are actual laws that are enforced. The text of da, 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 this law that is long and winded and hard to read is, suggest, is suggestive and not regulatory in nature. Failure to follow the suggestions is not a violation of the law in any of these renditions. So basically they're wasting their time even putting this stuff 
into uh, you know into law when if you don't follow it, it's not a violation of the law. So what exactly are they even doing? The behavioral requirement for the national anthem is subject to the first same First Amendment controversies that surround the Pledge of Allegiance, which I'll get to more in a minute. So when it comes to this, hey, what are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to react? You can do whatever you want when the national anthem is being played. None of us have to follow any protocol. And out of respect, because of the the respect that I have for that song and for that time frame of, of history and the relevance of it, the historical significance of it, I always take my hat off and put my hand or it over my heart and am respectful. Pledge of Allegiance, yeah, you're not going to make me say that. I'm not going to take my hat off and have and, and and plead to a God to bless America even more than it's already been blessed. So speaking of which, God bless America. It's an American patriotic song written by Irvin Berlin during World War I in 1918, and then he revised it again right before World War II. God bless America takes the form of a prayer into lyrics, quote, as we raise our voices in a solemn prayer, for God's blessing and peace for the nation, stand beside her, guide her through the night. Um, it got popular after 9-11 to start playing God Bless America a lot. I think it was done a lot in the uh, 40s and 50s after uh, World War II. I couldn't find as much ex- historical um, text on this just with a quick Google search. But in the end, I, I don't care about this one. I just it's, it's not a song that means anything to me. And um, I'm not taking my hat off and going to salute something that I think is actually kind of foolish. I, I am welcoming anybody to do whatever they want to do when God Bless America is being played. But uh, don't look for me to, uh, to, to, make a, to take a major salute to that. So to the Pledge of Allegiance, this one's a little trickier. Again, haven't had to think about this for a long time. It's got an interesting history. There was at one time, well, I'll just start reading off the top of the here of this uh, same uh, information I got from the others. The Pledge of Allegiance of the United States is an expression of allegiance to the flag and the Republic of the United States. It was originally composed by Captain George Thatcher Balk, a Union Army during the Civil War and later a teacher of patriotism in New York City schools. The form of the pledge used today was largely devised by Francis Bellamy in 1892 and formally adopted by Congress as the pledge in 1942. The official name of the Pledge of Allegiance was adopted in 1945. The most recent alteration of the wording came on Flag Day in 1954 when the words, Under God, were added. When you're probably going some people may be rolling their eyes. Oh, here goes Brian again with the under God stuff. But I I seriously I don't like that stuff. I just I really don't. Um practice the any person walking around, practice whatever religion you want, but it just does not need to be in a pledge of allegiance to uh to, to for for anybody to feel like they're pressured into or forced into doing it. Um this is uh this was an interesting thing I'd never heard of before. Uh, the, the swearing of the pledge is accompanied by a salute. This was in the early days. Uh, the, the Bellamy guy I mentioned a minute ago is called the Bellamy salute. And there's a picture here of kids in school in 1941. Um, because of the similarity between the Bellamy salute and the Nazi salute, it, it's basically the same damn thing. It's basically the same thing. Hi, you know, Heil or whatever. 
um, which was adopted in Germany later, U.S. Congress stipulated that the hand over the hard gesture as the salute to be rendered by civilians during the Pledge of Allegiance and National Anthem in the U.S. would be the salute to replace the Bellamy salute. So putting your hand over your heart took place of the hand in the air looking like Hitler. At least uh, that sounds like that's a pretty good idea. So then in the late 1930s, now there's a there's a question as do you have to do this? Do we if you're if you're told you in school or in any public setting, do you have to pledge allegiance? I've always thought it's weird. Why do we even what we gotta pledge allegiance every day? Like we go to school and we get a couple of announcements and they tell us what the lunch menu is, and every day you have to pledge your allegiance? I don't get it. I don't get it, and I would I would not want my kids to have to be uh, involved with that. Uh, obviously, I, I don't have kids. In 1940, the Supreme Court ruled that students in public schools who considered the flag a salute to be Id- idolatry could be compelled to swear the pledge. So I guess that means just hand over the shoulder or over the heart and don't have to actually say the words out loud. So kind of saying you don't have to, but kind of saying you don't. In 1943, the Supreme Court reversed its decision, 6-3, to three, saying nobody... Nobody has to pledge their allegiance to the flag. Thankfully, some court, uh, some judges there got uh, got it right on that one. Uh, from the uh, fr- from the actual wording from the Supreme Court in 1943, if there is any fixed star in our constitutional constellation, it is that no official, high or petty, can prescribe what shall be orthodox in politics, nationalism, religion or other matters of opinion, or force citizens to confess by word or act that faith therein, of their faith therein. If there are any circumstances which permit an exception, they do not now occur to us. So since 1943, you do not have to pledge your allegiance. If you want to, great, do it. And if you don't want to, I think that's just fine too. And then it gets down to old glory itself. And the United States... Flag code. Once again, one of these situations where people tell you how you have to, how you have to react, or how you have to act about something, or how you have to respect something. I remember hearing this from the old men and you know, old dads and grandfathers of how you how you handle the flag, how you uh, discard a flag, how you uh, respect or disrespect all those things. In the end, all the flags we're talking about in our daily lives are pieces of nylon made by likely children in sweatshops in china so you can spare me any of the united states flag code while we have a piece of nylon hanging on the wall i mean i like the flag i think it's a great looking flag i have a few american flags hanging up at places at times but please spare me the holier than thou uh, attitude the united states flag code was adopted when i don't see the year right off bat maybe i'll see it here in a minute but here's the contents of the code the flag should never touch anything beneath it such as the ground floor water or merchandise i mean whatever what happens if it does not nothing the flag should never be used as wearing apparel i put a highlight on this one because just look at facebook look at Look at Instagram, Twitter, whatever you fancy in the social media world. On the 4th of July, 
Likely is already over by the time you hear this, but you can still go back. It'll still be flooding into your uh, your bumped stories. And look at how many people are decked out wearing wearing American flags are wrapped around their head, bandanas that are American flags, American flag shirts, American flag pants, flag and fly, flying flags are hitting the ground. They're hitting the water. They're hitting all that. You know, all these things that supposedly you're unpatriotic if you do. Just watch Facebook. There are going to be countless. Colin Kaepernick hating uh, NFL players who protest hating types who are wearing the American flag because here in America, we just get to decide what our patriotism is and then decide what other people's anti or supposed anti patriotism is. The flag should never be used as wearing apparel, bedding or drapery, meaning putting the flag up, hanging it in a window Technically is not okay. I have, I used to have, no, I do. Here in the garage, I'm looking at it right there. I have one hanging in the window. Come and arrest me. Uh, the flag should never be fastened, displaced, used, or stored in such a manner as to permit it to easily torn, soiled, or damaged in any way. Just a couple more of these. The flag should never have placed upon it, nor any part of it, nor attached to any other mark, insignia, letter, word, figure, design, picture, or drawing of any nature. Well, I guess my Grateful Dead flag that has 50 little Grateful Dead uh, lightning bolts instead of 50 stars is going to be highly uh, 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 frowned upon. The flag should never be used for advertising purposes in any manner whatsoever. Have you looked around anywhere throughout the South and how many American flag America flags are used to sell uh, crappy, crappy merchandise? No part of the flag should ever be used as a costume or athletic uniform. I think we put flags, uh, patches on athletic uniforms all the time. And the flag, which is in such condition that is no longer fitting emblem for display, should be destroyed in a dignified way, pre- preferably by burning. And um, so I guess my overall greater point is, is that people that spend all this time hating on Colin Kaepernick or hating on people who... Uh, or in the NFL or any other leagues who who they think disrespect the country and the troops and all this just oddly put together uh, one and one equals five kind of things will also run around wearing flags on their head, getting drunk, acting like idiots, not saluting the national anthem and 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 if and if you and judging so hard on people who do or don't, it's complete conditional patriotism. If you don't follow the rules that some people here, especially in the South, have have created in their head as the official rules, it's very similar to religion. That's why they that's why religious beliefs and you know hard conservative uh, patriotism, quote unquote, go together so well because they're hypocritical and they're uh, they're all about judgments. And, uh, and and trying to force other people to do what you think is right. They go together hand in hand. That's why you see it so much around here, and that's why it annoys me so much. I love this country. I love being a part of it, and I love the fact that we're celebrating our 243rd birthday on the 4th. I also think this is still a major experiment that we still don't know the end result of it in the grand scheme of the history of the world. This is a blip on the radar screen what is the United States. But look around, look at the entire world, look at this country and look at the innovation and the things it's created and the, and, and the, the influence it's had on an entire globe and look back at me and, and try to tell me that that's not impressive. I mean, it, it, anybody who's logically thinking can't do that. Of course, what we've done in such a short period of time is so damn impressive. But there's also a lot to be kind of grossed out by. And there's a lot of things 
that uh, we could do better. And there's a lot of things that uh, just as individual, you know, human beings walking around, regardless of what country we're from, can uh, can do to be better and to treat people better. And uh, I'm guilty of being a dumb asshole, too. And I hate it and I don't want to be that way. Um, you do you and I do me. Uh, you, you, you worry about you and I'll worry about me. And if we all do that effectively, I think we're going to be okay. Coming up next, Donald Trump has been president now for a decent little sample size. I think he's going to be president for the next four and a half years till 2024 anyway. And there's certain portions about that, certain things about that, that I actually like because it is, it, I believe it is fixed the way that I uh, look at certain things in politics. And I will put all that together to make more sense coming up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. StoneOnAir.com. The idea that you can only give them five more years of the VCF because you're not quite sure what's going to happen five years from now. Well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen five years from now. More of these men and women are going to get sick and they are going to die. And I am awfully tired of hearing that it's a a 9-11 New York issue. Al-Qaeda didn't shout death to Tribeca. They attacked America and these men and women, and their response to it is what brought our country back. It's what gave a reeling nation a solid foundation to stand back upon, to remind us of why this country is great, of why this country is worth fighting for, and you are ignoring them. Why this bill isn't unanimous consent is beyond my comprehension. And I have yet to hear a reasonable explanation for why. It'll get stuck in some transportation bill or some appropriations bill and get sent over to the Senate where a certain someone from the Senate will use it as a political football to get themselves maybe another new import tax on petroleum. Because that's what happened to us in 2015. And we won't allow it to happen again. Welcome back to the show. It's the Foo Fighters along with John Fogarty and Fortunate Son. Yeah, I mean, I can love this country and love being a part of it and think that it's great. I, I wear my hat proudly. America is already great. And still be disgusted by the way that our leaders and politicians act. I don't know why John Stewart has become the mouthpiece, the spokesperson in Congress for uh, first responders from 9/11, who are, or it appears is, is potentially going to have benefits cut. I can't speak the jargon of it. I never even heard that this was a situation until I was sitting in my car waiting to get clearance to go into Bonnaroo on Wednesday uh, before the festival started. And I had my phone out and I was watching things on Twitter. And um, he goes on for about nine minutes and just chastises Congress. I mean, he tears them up. It's good stuff. And they just sit there and listen to it by like a bunch of damn lumps on a damn log waiting for him to shut up so they can leave, and only about half of the chamber even showed up. And it's uh, it's another example 
of where I'm at right now when it comes to the politicians of this country. Um, it It is not serving the public to be a politician. That is the biggest load of bullshit that has ever been uh, that's ever been tried to pass off to us. It, it might have felt like that for a while, and it might have been initially like that once upon a time. That is the biggest load of false, fraudulent, fake, made-up bullshit ever tried to, uh, to, to try to get over on anybody. This is all about power. It's all about positioning. It's all about posturing. It's all about uh, money. It's all about greasing pockets. It's all about... Uh, it, 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 it's, it's corrupt as it could possibly be at this point. And I guess for the longest time, I just really wanted to hold on to the idea that the presidency of the United States was something that you should always respect and you should always hold in, um, in very high regard. But that is what's happened with this Trump presidency, with this Trump administration. I am happy that I am now able to f- stop living that fantasy land that is absolute a joke. It's 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 fake. It's not real. These people are not out to make progress. They're not out to help you. Now, there are some people who are involved that I like more than others. And um, while we're gonna have, since we're gonna have a government, I'd like to have as much say in it as I can. And I do think that we do have a semblance of democracy. But holding these uh, these jackasses in any kind of high regard is uh, is just a bad, it's a bad look, it's a bad approach, it's a bad direction. We should question all of them. We should wonder why somebody who's a billionaire wants to have a job that pays, what, half a million dollars a year? Why does that person want that, to serve the public? No, that's not even kind of the case. And really, I, I don't think it ever really has been. Maybe, you know, we're 243 years old now, maybe... Maybe at some point there was a different, uh, the, the generational shift was so different that, the, that that's actually what it was. Great men trying to do great things. Um, but I really, if you dig into the, the founding fathers of this country, they're a bunch of scummy, rotten bastards for the most part. I mean, if you really dig into their real history, not the fake-ass bullshit folklore about what uh, could never tell a lie and uh, was that George Washington and all these stupid little you know fairy tale Sunday school stories. Um, so I, I, maybe it's never been that way, but for the longest time, I held I held that position uh, as uh, something to be uh, to be very proud of, and the White House to be sacred. And um, and the respect that 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 position, the presidency was was supposed to 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 garner. I, I think that started because I'm a historical uh, I'm fascinated with his I was about to say historical uh, buff or, uh, you know, that, that that's not true because I'm woefully ignorant to a lot of things of history. But I am very, very fascinated by all of it. And I always have been in school. It was the only. Um, growing up school, talking about elementary, middle, and into high, the only the only subjects I ever did really well in were sometimes geography and mostly history. I just I didn't even have to try because I loved it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I wasn't trying to get an A on the test. I just wanted to know more about the Boston Tea Party, right? Like I wanted to know more about um, the founding fathers. I wanted to know more about uh, the the War of eighteen twelve. I I didn't care if I got an A or a C. That didn't matter to me. 
um, which I think would be a better way to teach kids to learn all the way around as a sidebar, as opposed to, hey, I got an A. How about did you learn anything? How about that? Uh, anyway, sorry, a little off topic, I know. Um, so I guess over all these years, I just built up this this fascination with the presidency. And then, uh, yeah, I'm a Barack Obama guy. I mean, I think he's, I think he's amazing. I thought he was uh, wonderful. And um, I think George W. Bush is one of the more fascinating stories uh, of a, of a fam- the whole family. Uh, the Clintons, my God, how could you not be fascinated and interested in their, in their world? Hell, Reagan, for crying out loud. Everybody hates Jimmy. Ask anybody under the age of 40, anybody under the age of 40, why they think Jimmy Carter was a bad president, and they have no cl- clue as to uh, as to why they would say that they've just been told that by people their whole lives. Um, hell, Nixon, Ford. Uh, I'm trying to remember. You know, all the way to Kennedy. Uh, any of these these families and these and these um, these politicians, for, to me, have always been incredibly fascinating. And I, it's not anymore. It's not. And I, I kind of feel like a part of me has died. I don't care who the president is. I don't care who the president is. I have turned into a single issue voter, which I've never liked. To, I've never liked a single issue voter either. I've always thought that was a little, uh, a little brain dead way to choose who you want to be leading your, uh, you know, your your country or your state or your uh, your city council or your county commission or whatever. I've, I've I've always thought being a single issue voter is 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 a little dullard like. But that's where I I'm at now. I don't want the Supreme Court to go heavy, heavy conservative. I just don't want that. And while I completely understand that it matters who the president is because they're the one that uh, that nominates the Supreme Court judge, the Supreme Court justice, I still truly believe in the end it doesn't matter who the president is. It does matter who's on the Supreme Court for the rest of my, uh, effectively my middle age and to uh, above that age life. That matters to me. So whatever it takes to put somebody in other than Donald Trump, I am for. Problem is, is the Democrats have such a terribly bad uh, identity crisis right now. Half, you know, part, portions of the of the of the party are getting way too socialistic for uh, most people's taste, and uh, the the other ones are having you know moderate to to hard left leaning. Uh, identity crises, and they're not going to be able to to defeat Trump, who is who has got the uh, the luxury of a strong, at least by perception, economy behind him, and uh, and a, and a world, a country specifically, but even a world that's woken up to realizing we're a bunch of assholes in this country. We kind of suck. We're he emboldens the awfulness of this country. I, 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 the guy's a scummy shithead. I mean, he I've I've said would have said that 10 years ago. Donald Trump is a sleaze bag. He's gross. This is a representation for this country. I I I'd have told you that any time in my life. I mean, if you told me, "Hey, Hugh Hefner's the president." But like that's kind of dude's kind of sleazy. It's kind of gross. Why would we want that guy to be president? And that's what we got a variation of something like that. It's just it's just disgusting. And um, I don't want this guy in charge. That's just all there is to it. This isn't about Republicans or Democrats. No one's taking your guns. No one's Roe versus Wade is not going to get overturned. All this shit that they try to scare everybody into, like, oh my God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna erase all your student loan debt. No, they're not. Student loan debt's not going away. Now, student loans need to, might get reformed. We might change the way that that works within the federal government. But you're, you're not getting your student loans paid for. So don't vote for that. 
Um, you're not all this scare tactics and lies from both sides are it's it's sickening. It's sickening. And I officially don't care who the president is. I have a sticker on my car on the new ugly as hell Hyundai Sonata. Someone else for president. And I mean it. Someone else. Anyone else. This, this is the last of a dying breed of the way that this, this, this disgusting Trumpification of the world's going. Those, those people aren't going to go away. They're not dead yet. But there's still, there's still a lot of room for progress. There's still a lot of room for, um, uh, for innovation, for uh, expanding, for making things bigger and better, for getting uh, more open-mindedness. For um for for religious freedom and freedom of religion and uh, gay and lesbian rights, all these things are still happening. Just because asshole Trump is president, it feels like it's under attack. It really isn't. It it it, it really 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 isn't. And um at, at the end of the day, there are still some good people inside of Congress, just not that many, just not that many at all. And uh, I have no respect for any of these assholes. And I don't care who the dipshit president is as long as I can get somebody in there who's not going to overload just because he thinks it's fun. Donald Trump doesn't give two shits who the Supreme Court justices are. He is a liberal. He always has been his whole life. He's just changed into this character because he's a TV star. He's an actor. This is a television show. He doesn't care about abortion. He doesn't care about gay and lesbian rights. He probably is for it deep down, but the end result is he doesn't care. He's just doing whatever gets the most ratings, whatever makes the most money, whatever gets the most eyeballs. That's all this is. Got to get past this. Got to get past this. And after that, I don't care who the president is because the sanctity of the office is gone. It's gone for me. I don't care. I have no respect for it. Screw you, President. Screw you, Congressman. Screw you, Senator. Screw you if you don't, if, if you say you're going to do something and you do something differently that are in my best interest. And uh, I don't care that if you get treated poorly in public, you should get pre- treated poorly in public because you're a lying asshole pretty much no matter who you are. And you're not a public servant and you're not doing the greater good. You're all about having power, making yourself rich making your friends in private, the private sector rich, making your friends in the public sector rich, and lying and fooling numbnuts all around there into thinking you're doing something good for them. You're all a bunch of damn liars. I don't care about a effing one of you. And if nothing else comes out of this, what I believe will be an eight-year stretch of this disgustingly horrific man as the president of this country, at least now I can go to bed and realize, you know what? I never should have cared about any of this to begin with. I don't give a fuck who the president is as long as it's not that guy. (sighs) All right. I hope I wasn't unclear. Happy 4th of July, everybody. (sighs) All right. Going to talk about the Atlanta Braves coming up next. Coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At stoneonair.com.
drive to right field. That one's got a chance to stay fair. That one hits the foul pole. Josh Donaldson with a solo home run down the right field line. That's his ninth home run. And the Braves are on the board in the second inning against Archer. It's two to one. Count goes to three and one on Marquecas. And the pitch by Archer hit in the air and hit well to center. Retreating Marte, giving ground all the way to the wall. She's gone. Back-to-back jacks for Donaldson and Marquecas. And this one is all tied at two apiece. Moran, the lone defender on the left side. This ball is hit well. Deep to left center field. Marte at the wall, leaping again. Can't bring it back again. It's the third home run of the second inning. All solo shots. Number four for McCann, and the Braves now have the lead, 3-2. Ozzy popped two last night, cracks one to right field, back toward the chop house. It's gone again. Four bombs, one inning, four to two Braves. Ain't it fun? Hell yeah, it's fun. Living in the real world. Hell yeah, it's good. Happy Fourth of July, everybody. Enjoy yourself. I uh, work every Fourth of July, <laughs> quite literally, almost every one of them. So it's just a regular week for me. Looks like it's going to be hot, hot, hot. Y'all drink up a bunch of beer. We need to sell a lot of it. I know you will. This is Paramore. Fell in love with this band, more specifically Haley Williams, her lead singer. Speaking of hot, oh, my God, she's hot. Not just like pretty, meaning like, oh my God, look how hot she is. Just on stage, she commands. She commands a uh, your attention, and um, it's just, just, it's good stuff. I'll tell you what else is fun is watching this Atlanta Braves team play baseball. I know, I, if I were to guess, a majority of the people who listen to this show don't care about the Atlanta Braves. That'd be my first guess. But this was just one of those segments I needed to make sure I had ready to go in case I needed it uh, the last couple of weeks. And they just keep playing well. And um, I, once upon a time, my, my dream would have been to have a podcast in this reality we're in now or back then in a radio world. A, uh, a sports talk radio show, a, uh, a, a baseball radio show, a, 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 a all Braves all the time. Uh, that was been my dream for many, 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 many years. And over the course of the last like decade, I realized sitting around talking about the sports all the time is fucking boring. <laughs> it really is. Um, it's such a niche uh, audience that, um, you know, and I don't want to talk about, you know, the Cowboys or the Yankees. Or other sports going on. So I fell out of love with sports talk radio a long time ago. And I still listen to it occasionally, but um, I don't have much interest in doing it. But today, I did want to spend a couple of minutes. I'll I'll keep this pretty brief. Um, The Atlanta Braves are one of my biggest passions. I love this uh, organization. I love the city of Atlanta. I, um, I, I love the colors. I love the history I love the pageantry. I love everything about this organization. And growing up from the ages of 11 to 25, they went to the playoffs every single year, went to the World Series five times. So they won five National League pennants. They did win the World Series 
1995. Now, we are damn near 25 years since that happened. And for me, I was 15 years old when they won the World Series. And it's strange. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on a, on a podcast before. I'm sure I have on a radio show at some point, but it would have been a long time ago. For some reason, for some reason, in 1995, it might have had to do with the strike. Because the strike ended in a, or, or started halfway through 1994, canceled the World Series, and then came back late the next year. It was a shortened schedule. And maybe that's why. I don't know. I think more of it had to do with I was 15 and I was more interested in smuggling a beer or two out of somebody's parents or my own parents' fridge or liquor cabinet. And I was more interested in finding some cigarettes to smoke. And I was more interested in smoking weed. I mean, just to be perfectly honest with you, that that pretty much was all that summer consisted of was trying to get a buzz and uh, finding some cigarettes and a uh, you know some woods we could go hide in while we were doing that. That's pretty much how that year went and the Braves were good from 91, 92, 93, 94 and they lost the World Series twice in that span or was it three times already by then? It might have been three times already by then. And so when they won the World Series, I don't remember where I was. That should have been a remember where you were moment. Like I sh- I'm supposed to know where I was when the Atlanta Braves won the World Series. I was probably passed out with a joint, half-burnt joint in my hand uh, and, a, and a bottle of Budweiser or something. And at that point, taking for granted things like, oh, well, yeah, we're going to win the World Series a bunch. So, you know, whatever, right? So I don't have a World Series to celebrate as an Atlanta Braves fan. That 1995 World Series happened I have the newspaper from the uh, Atlanta Journal or the Atlanta Constitution. I don't think they were combined yet at the time. I have the Braves win the World Series newspaper. I have the Wheaties box. I have the six-pack of Cokes. I have uh, several things that say Atlanta Braves world champions in 1995, but I didn't actually see that. I didn't actually get to experience that. For some reason, in 1996, though... I remember that year even better, and I i guess I just balanced out my pot smoking and, and alcohol drinking and cigarette smoking with also still watching Braves baseball. I watched Braves baseball all year 1996. They went to the World Series. They won the first two games in New York, and then they haven't won a World Series game since in 1996. They lost the series 4-2. to two. Yankees won four in a row after that, after the Braves were up 6-1. to one. I think it was 6-1. to one. In Game 5. And uh, Jim Larratt's hit the home run. And the Braves, again, have not won a uh, a World Series game since. In, you know, how long is that? 22 years. And so, I remember that series. And I remember that season. And I remember all of that so well. And being crushed that we lost that. In the 97, we lost to the Marlins in the playoffs. In the 98, we lost in the playoffs to the Padres. In the 99, we got swept by the Yankees in the World Series again. And in 2000, the Cardinals took us out early. We weren't very good. And in 2001, the eventual champions, the Diamondbacks, beat us in the NLCS. And in 2002, we lost to Barry Bonds and the Giants. And in 2003, this is all top of my head, by the way. None of this is written down. 2003, we lost to Kerry Wood, Mark Pryor, and the Cubs in the, D, uh, in the Division Series. In 2004, we lost to the Astros in the Division Series. In 2005, we lost to the Astros in the division series in 18 innings in game four in Houston. And then we didn't go to the playoffs for a few years. And then in 
uh, in 10, we lost to the Giants in the division series. In 12, we lost the uh, the first ever one-game playoff to the Cardinals with the infield fly rule. In 2013, we lost to the Dodgers while Craig Kimbrell was ready to go, standing in the damn p- uh, bullpen waiting to come in while the, while the uh, other pitcher out of the pen ruined the game, a walk-off home run. And then we lost to the Dodgers last year after winning the NL East for the first time in uh, in a very long time, since 2013. Two division titles since 2005 after winning 14 of them in a row. All right, so if you're a big Braves fan, I didn't tell you a whole lot you didn't already know there. And if you don't really know what it is, I just kind of, I guess, hopefully explain that. So that is kind of the history as to why I love this team so much. And then they had to tear it down and rebuild starting in 14, 15, and 16, and 17. They were putrid. I'd still sit down and watch these games every night. It's my nightly television show. I'm missing tonight's game. I think they were they were about to lose to the Phillies when I did a quick top off of the gin and tonic here. But they're a really good team. They're a lot of fun. They got some really good players. And they're just a few or a couple arms away from being one of the better teams in the league. They're not good enough to win a World Series yet, but they're about two moves Two moves, maybe even an off-season, I mean, an in-season move, uh, a move and a half away from being able to just feel like you might just have a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Probably not good enough yet, but they're gonna, they're gonna just, they're, it's getting better uh, into next year and the year after that. These are young, exciting players. The All-Star Games coming to Atlanta, and um, I guess I'll leave it at that. At the, at the most part, there's no reason to go through minutia of numbers and who's got the batting averages and who's got the home runs. I mean, if you care, you already know that. So there's no reason for me to get into it. But um, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's so much fun to watch a baseball team that wins with uh, with some consistency. And I need to get to Turner for Turner Field. I need to get to SunTrust Park bad. As I was heading down to Dead & Company with my girlfriend on Saturday, I was trying so hard to get a picture of SunTrust Park from uh, I-75 but the, it, the construction around there, every time I go, it's so much, it's never ending. The, uh, the, the, the entire development there is so huge, you can't get a very good look at it from the interstate. And the one time you did, I missed it. But uh, I'm in love with baseball and the Atlanta Braves, and uh, all right, I think that's uh, going to do it all for now. So I love America. I love baseball. I love all the things that are great about this country, and I hate all the things that are awful about it. And um, that's about as honest as I can be. So y'all have a good one. At Stone on Air on all social media. Will there be a show the second week of July? I think so. I absolutely think so. But these days, it never can be too sure. But that is the goal. Y'all have a great one. We'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye. Ain't it fun?